Good morning. Excited today to continue our marriage series for Keeps. If you're with us today for the first time, this is message number three. And over the past two weeks, we have addressed what it means for a man to lead in a godly way. And so we went after the men in week one last week was what's a biblical way for women to follow. And so we've been giving messages that uh, are just straight to the point, truth from God's word. And we want message or marriage is to be awesome. And so if you walked in today as a visitor, if you're here today, and I'll, I'll, I'll again uh, repeat what Pastor Jeremy had to say, we have great children's ministries. And if you're in here today, Pastor John and uh, Cindy put a lot of time and effort into our children's ministries. And if you have a child that's sixth grade or below, um, I would encourage you, especially for today's message, uh, to make sure that you check them in. It's okay to get up now and do that. One of the things that we want to address throughout this marriage series is the concept of sex. And we're not afraid to not talk about that here at Grace because part of the problem is, is that we get all our, our views and our answers from the world in which we live in. And we're getting false information about what could happen in, in the midst of a marriage where a husband and wife come together and have intimacy. It can be something beautiful. And so you might not always hear a message like this, but we're going to address the word of God, because God gives us some implicit instruction in scripture, what it means to have intimacy in a marriage relationship. So I want you to grab your Bibles and I want you to turn to first Corinthians. If you need a Bible and you walked in today, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. And I want you to turn to first Corinthians uh, chapter seven, first Corinthians chapter seven, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First uh, Corinthians, and uh, turn to First Corinthians chapter seven, and we will go there in a second. But before we do that, I just want to let you know what God has to say regarding intimacy—a relationship between a, a husband and wife. Let me just address it. Genesis one twenty-eight. God gave a command in the beginning, after uh, right soon as Adam and Eve were were created. He gave a command. He said, be fruitful and increase the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, one version says. In other words, go procreate, go have children. In order for that to happen, God blessed it. He said, and go do it. For those that are married, that's what he wants. Let me also say this. When we talk today regarding sex, this is only intended. And the, the, the way that God intends it is in this context of marriage. If you're sleeping around or you're having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, that is sin. And God addresses it and you need to repent of it. That's not what God intended or when God intended sex to take place. So I'll just say this, ladies, if you're here today and you have a man that's pressuring you for sex, kick him out. That's not the kind of man that you want in your life. If he's saying, hey, we just want to work this out and make sure we're, we're compatible. If he's not willing to say, I do, and he's saying, I might, that's not the kind of man that you want to follow for the rest of your life. So I'm just giving you permission right now. If you're in a relationship, you know it's, it's, it's not what God wants you to do. It's sin in God's eyes. Get out of that relationship. In no way will that ever honor God. We're talking about sex in the context of marriage today. Let me also address this. It's a very simple uh, study in, in Genesis. Uh, marriage is between one man and one woman. It's not one woman and one woman and one man and one man. It's one man and one woman. And that's God's intent for marriage. Let's set the foundation there. So when I address you today, we're going to address a husband and wife in a marriage relationship in the context of that intimacy in that. So he says, be fruitful and multiply. We also got to recognize this to be true when it comes uh, to marriage is that 
and, and sex. Men and women are very, 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 very different. And you've heard me say this on uh, numerous occasions before, but let's, let's start with that premise. We're different. Men are wired differently than, than women are, and women are wired differently than men are. And so when we go into this whole subject of sex, this whole subject of intimacy, we address it with different mindsets. We address it with different emotion. We bring our hearts. We bring everything into it. But men are wired differently than women. Let me, let me show you or explain to you in just, just a fun way regarding sex. These pink glasses will represent ladies, and the blue glasses will represent men. So in regards to sex, here's what ladies say. A lady says this. She says, let's spend some quality time together. That's what she says. The man thinks this. I can't wait till we get home and have some sex tonight. She thinks, he says, he thinks. The lady says this. I'm relieved we're on the same page after this argument. He thinks sex tonight. Difference between women, different between men. The lady says, I'm stressed. Will you rub my back? He thinks, let's have sex tonight. (laughs) The woman says, I'm tired and it's been a very, very, very long, long, long day. He thinks, so I have a chance for sex tonight. (laughs) The woman says, let's reminisce and look at the wedding album together. He thinks, while she's turning the pages, I don't remember any of that. (laughs) Now, a man's words. The man says, nothing at all. (laughs) She thinks, oh boy, not again tonight. (laughs) We are different. Let's be serious. Aren't we though? We're wired differently. It's okay to laugh about that. Like, oh, I can't laugh in church. Holy cow, I'm going to be serious about it. We're different, okay? Men and women think differently. Let's, let's, let's put that out there. We're different. We're wired differently. And so we're going to walk through the differences of, of how we approach sex and what we think about sex. But before we do that, we're going to see the danger of not coming together and having intimacy in a relationship. Stand with me, and we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Let's read that together. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 6. Read it with me. Ready, read. Now, for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You may have a seat. It's pretty obvious that Paul, inspired through the Holy Spirit, addresses the need for marriage relationships to have times of intimacy. He also addresses this. He's very clear about it. For those of you who have been called to marriage, some have been called to singleness, and that's perfectly fine. 
We live in a world that if you're called to singleness, don't feel like that somehow you're less than best. It's a beautiful thing if you've been called to it. But Paul is also saying, if you've been called and you have this desire in your heart to marry, when you come to marry and you become one, a husband and a wife, don't deprive each other of sex unless through mutual consent. Because if you do, it says, Paul says, inspired through the Holy Spirit, if you deprive each other, you have a chance for Satan to come in and tempt and to divide. Now, let me just speak frankly. I sat with people often and regular in my 15 years of ministry here at Grace Community Church. I've seen, I, I've seen the gamut and heard the gamut of reasons why there's hardship in marriage. And one of the primary reasons is in this area. And part of that is because husbands and wives don't communicate very well in this area. It's because somewhere along the line, maybe it was your family upbringing, your father didn't teach the son or talk to the son, or the the mom never talked to the daughter about sex. And so she got information from her friends, or she got it from another source, and he got information on his own by exploring. And so there wasn't this heart-to-heart conversation that a mom should have with her daughter and a father should have with his son. And so you come into this marriage and your expectations are what someone else told you or what you think it is. So it goes something like this. You come together and you have this relationship. This intimacy is supposed to be beautiful. And you assume that both are satisfied. You assume that it's good. You assume that it's great. And you begin this pattern and you don't talk about it because you're afraid to be vulnerable in that area. I've seen it over and over. I'm afraid if I tell him this or I tell her that, that she'll be offended. And so you choose to go down this path and often for years and years and years and you've settled in this area. And before you know it, you, when it comes to having this beautiful thing that God has created, it turns into something that's drudgery or it's a duty. And in this room and in the link and in South Bend, Mishawaka and across the internet are people right now who are feeling exactly what I talked about because they refuse to be open and vulnerable and talk about this. Even me right now, for some of you talking about this, like I'm a little uncomfortable with this. But listen to me. You gotta be able to engage this with your wife or your husband. And if you don't, you might be giving Satan a foothold in your relationship. So we're gonna address that today. Turn to Song of Songs in the Old Testament. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Songs. Psalms, Proverbs, and look to the, the book of Song of Songs. It's a beautiful love story. It's written from the lover to his beloved. And then there's some friends that give some dialogue along the way. It's not the kind of book that you go to and have your morning devotions in. It's maybe you read it at night before you go to bed to your wife. That's a great book to read. But it's not the kind you say, hey, let's study the book of Song of Songs uh, with, with a group of men and women together. It's maybe ladies and ladies and men and men, but it's not a place that you often go to. But you could go here and get an example of a beautiful love letter and a beautiful writing and poetry. Look at Song of Songs. Look at this love letter written from the husband to his wife. Look at chapter 7. Song of Song, chapter 7. It says, how beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of craftsmen's hands. He's, he's telling her how beautiful she is. Your navel is rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. I don't know if that would work today, but something, something similar to that. 
Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. That'll work. Verse 4. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the pools of Hezbon by the, the gate of Bath Rabbim. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. Don't go there with that one. It meant something way back in the Old Testament. It's just beautiful metaphors that he's using. Verse, read on. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and pleasing. How pleasing, O love, with your delights. Your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. And so he, he's, he's looking at her and he's writing this love letter and he's, and he's saying, you're desirable. You're as intoxicating as wine. Guys, but just pause and say, when's the last time you wrote your wife just, just a love letter and told her you loved her? You know, you, you, three or four weeks ago, we took a men on men's retreat. And I told you one of the last sessions in that retreat, I had men write their wives a love letter. It was a great experience. Read on. It says, I said, I will take the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of, of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. He wants her. Now, this is her response to him. May the wine go straight to my lover, flowing gently over lips and teeth. I belong to my lover, and his desire is for me. She says, bring it on. I want you. Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes sent out their fragrance, and at our doors every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my lover. If only you were to me like a brother who was nursed at my mother's breast. Then if I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise me. It's this affection that she feels like she she felt this deep affection for her brother. And she says, not only do I love you, but we have this deep friendship and relationship. Then she says, I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house. She who has taught me. I would give you spiced wine to drink the nectar of my pomegranates. In other words, she said, there's a deep friendship that you have and respect that you have for my family. I'm going to bring you home and I'm going to show them what, who my husband is. And then she says, her left arm is under, his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. It's just this tender, caressing touch of his hand. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. No, don't shortcut it. Don't settle. When the right man comes along, God will show you. And then the friends are responding to this. Who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her lover? Other people look and say, wow, they have something. Look at that romance. Look at that that intimacy that they have. And then she says this, under the apple tree, I roused you. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave you birth. In other words, fruit is associated with sex in the Old Testament. And it turned him on. Place me like a seal under your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding in the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Mighty waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Love is a beautiful, deep thing. It's valuable when you find it. And the friends say, if... We have a young sister and her breasts are 
are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister for the day she has spoken for? In other words, I hope one day she has what I see. If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. And then her response, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. Thus I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. She's content with the sex that she has in this relationship. Solomon had a vineyard in in Hammon. He let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But she says, but my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon, and the 200 are for those who tend to its fruit. She gave it all to him and him alone, not to other people. It was the beautiful picture of a husband and wife staying pure in this relationship with each other. And then he says, you who dwells in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. His love hasn't lost his intensity. He's at the end of this letter and, and she's responding back and it's still as intense as it was when they first met. And then this love story is wrapped up with this, with her saying, come away, my lover, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice laden mountains. She's saying, I still long for you. It's a beautiful picture of what it should be like in a marriage relationship. Husband pursuing his wife, a wife receiving his advances. Gently, he's caressing her. He's speaking words of beauty into her heart. She's accepting and receiving, and she's giving herself, not only giving herself, but she desires him. There, aren't a, there isn't a shut door. There isn't a ground for Satan to come in and because they've deprived each other, out of, not out of mutual consent. It's a beautiful picture of an intimate marriage relationship where both come together and enjoy each other. It's what God intends for Christian marriages today. Yeah, what's happened in our world? Why don't we experience that more regularly? Why is it hit and miss and sometimes miss, 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 miss? It's because we don't communicate enough. We don't talk about it. We just, we go into this rut and routine and we just say, well, that's as good as it's going to get. And, and so what happens is as good as it's going to get gets worse and worse. And before you know it, you're not even satisfying each other and you go elsewhere because Satan has got a foothold. And then it becomes something that women use to manipulate. We talked last week how a woman can use it as a tool. She'll use it as a tool by not allowing herself to be given to her husband until she gets what she wants from him. She walks in sin, and then he responds in sin, and Satan takes over, and then this marriage is on the rocks. But some differences about men and women I want to address in the next couple minutes when we talk about intimacy and sex. Physically, women tend to crave sex less often than men do. But listen, it's normally not related to your desirability, guys. They might crave it less. Now, that's a general statement. There's some that that crave it more, but percentages show that women crave it less. But it doesn't mean she doesn't desire you guys. Men are powerfully driven by the emotional need to feel desired by their wives. So we want to be desired by you. We think that your lack of advance to us shows that you're not desiring us. And so there's this mental block that takes place. Instead of talking about it, instead of communicating with your wife and saying, let's talk about this, we assume 
She doesn't think I'm desirable. He wants to be desired. And so what happens is Satan comes in and these other advances come from other places. And men settle with feeding that desirability often in the path of sin by watching pornography. And then women say, whoa, why, why did this happen? I don't understand. And primarily often because you're not telling him and showing him on some level that he's desirable. Guys are just different. And let me also say this, guys. No matter how much of a stud that you think you are, the emphasis is on think. Your body does not in itself turn on her body. I know that's hard to believe that. It's just it. So when you stand and you build and you balk up and you get your muscles and, and you get your pecs, it's not that she doesn't, doesn't think that's good looking, but when you stand there and think, boy, I'm just going to turn her on it. It just doesn't, guys. So just stand in the mirror with the other guy and say, don't we look good? It doesn't necessarily in itself turn her on. Or she looks and says, oh, get bigger, get stronger. And yet we spend hours and hours and hours and hours balking and building when we should be pouring into relationship and talking and communicating and listening and caressing and loving. We're just different. Let me show you how different we are regarding how we see guys' visual and how women receive and how their hearts are turned on. For instance, guys, you're at work. you got a long day. And your to-do list is very long. And you know, not only you're not going to get it finished today, but it's going to be a very long day. And so you go to work. You're five miles from work. And you pull into your office or you go on the assembly line and they have you working over whatever it is. And you're there and you think this is going to be a very long day. And all you're thinking about is accomplishing this job. Meanwhile, you get this phone call from your wife on the cell phone. And she says something like this. She says, hey, baby, I, this is from your wife. I just took a shower and I'm sitting in the front room with nothing on. Guys, what's going to happen to you? We know what's going to happen. You're, you, you know what? You're not even going to drive home. You're going to check out and run the whole way home to see her. Just because our minds are visually wired and you're thinking, wow, that's, that's enticing. And, and so you picture her and you run the whole way home and you're excited to meet her. Now, let's flip that. The wife is at work. She has a long to-do list. You know where I'm going. And it's a long day. He's sitting at home. You know where I'm going. He just got out of the shower. He's sitting on the lazy boy. Nothing on. He calls her up. Hey, baby. I'm sitting here on the lazy boy and I got nothing on. Now, what is she going to think? You fat slob, put something on. I'm not ever sitting in that lazy boy again. There lies the difference between men and women. It's the truth. And yes, you heard that at Grace Community Church because it's the truth. You see, here's the problem. We, we don't want to talk about something that's like, oh, you can't talk about that. Yes, we can because men and women are different. Women deal differently with thoughts and actions too. Let, let, let me describe it better this way. Here's the difference between men when they think about intimacy and women when they think about intimacy. Men, it's, it's, it's the difference is, I would say, men are like gas grills. Okay, gas grills. In fact, we go out and we buy, we want to get the biggest one, we want the plate burner up on top, and we want to be able to press a button, and poof. And so, that's kind of like sexist for us. There it is, there's a machine, gas grill. We throw our burgers on, and we can start it right up. We hit the start button, poof, and there it is, done. We eat the burgers. Women are like barbecue grills, so. 
guys, we know what we want, but it's like it takes a lot longer. It's like they want to go shopping. You want to go to Walmart with me and get some, get some charcoal? Oh, yes. And so you drive to Walmart, and you walk to Walmart, and, and meanwhile, you know where the charcoal is at. She says, hey, you want to go over here and, and check and see if there's any new shorts, summer shorts? And you're thinking, I just want to get home and get home and get done with this. So meanwhile, you're walking all through Walmart. It becomes this long, tenuous journey. Finally, you get over to the charcoal, and she looks up. She's like, didn't we get a 20-pound bag or 30? Oh, I like the red bag better than the blue bag. You're saying, just get a bag. And so you just start grabbing bags. And you put them in the back of your vehicle and you get home. You're thinking, man, I just want the gas grill. She's like, I want this to be experienced. And so you finally, you get out the burgers and you thaw them out and, and you throw the charcoal in. You're, and you're just praying it's the self-starting charcoal. It's all the cow. And when it isn't, you're blown. Them. <laughs> Come on, heat up, heat up. And so finally, it gets to where she is like, I'm ready. But man, you're like worn out. It was like 14 hours to get to that moment. There lies the difference between men and women when it comes to sex. Gas grills and barbecue grills. So the truth is this. We got to recognize that we're different. There's nothing wrong with being different. But listen, guys. You got to slow down. You got to jump on that journey. It's not punch in and punch out. You got to love her. You got to engage her heart. You got to be part of that experience. She's got to know that you're sold in, that you're willing to go the long haul with her. Truth be known, though, part of the struggle when it comes to sex is the way women process, too, in their thinking. Yes, men are visual, and we're going to look at that. But women deal with multiple thoughts and emotions from their past and present all the time and at the same time. It's like this. Their thoughts are like the pop-up screens on a computer. Like, have you ever been on a computer and you're trying to go somewhere and search, and all of a sudden this thing pops up, and you're trying to get the X, get rid of that thing? Well, it's like if you've been playing in March Madness. It's like every time I open up, it's like they put these pop-up screens. I just want to punch that thing out. I want to go to the, to the bracket. And so women have these multiple screens that pop up, and it's like they're processing all these things. It's like they got to shut all these things out. You're ready to be intimate, and she's carrying all that emotion from the day and from the week, and she needs them all shut out, and you're looking for control, off delete, control, off delete. But one by one, you got to walk through with her and listen, shut it out. Listen, shut it out. Listen, close it out. It takes a journey for them. It's not as easy for them to shut out what they're feeling. That's why we can be blindsided, guys, in, in, in conversations with their wives. You know, we're thinking, wow, we're finally to this point, and this, it, it's been special, and I've done everything Pastor Jim said I was supposed to do. And then, like, the word dog comes up in the conversation, and they go back to sixth grade. It's like, holy cow, when I was in sixth grade, this kid brought a dog to school, and... And, and no one took him. They took him to the SPCA and, and they, they put him down to sleep. And you're like, oh, man, it's going to be another charcoal night. I mean, it's just a difference. We're just wired. So you got to walk her through that and say, he deserved it. <laughs> Men, help her close her windows. Reassure her of your love for her by listening, by walking with her, by loving her. By communicating with her. See, all we want to go to is the act. All we want to do is, is move to the end. But she needs the process. 
The same is true for us too, ladies. As much as the fact that temptation, we are tempted with our with visual images, you are tempted too with taking all these pop-up images and allowing them to consume your day and time and not addressing the needs of your husband. Part of the problem in intimacy is this too. Listen to me, ladies. You're only as beautiful as you think you are. Now, seriously, you're only as beautiful. And so you want to appear beautiful to your husband. Many of you spent a couple hours today getting dressed for this service. And you stood in front, you went through three outfits. And you think, oh, I got to go to that baptism service. And I got to get dressed for this and that. If my hair gets wet or if I'm getting baptized. I mean, you went through it. You know what he did? He got up, put his jeans on, took a shower. And he went out and he stood in the driveway and honked the horn and waited on you. You took all this time because the exterior to you is important. And you take more time at that. But reality is this, is that there's so much more. You are beautiful and you must be beautiful from the inside out. First Peter 3. Last two weeks, we've been going to First Peter 3. And we skipped over First Peter 3, verses 3 through 5 on purpose for this day. Look at First Peter 3 and verse 3. 1 Peter 3 and verse 3 says this. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, ladies, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold and jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and what kind of spirit? Quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. So listen, as much as you put on the outside, trying to dress up, trying to to pretty up, trying to paint up, if you don't feel like you're beautiful on the inside, the outside will never match what you know is happening on the inside. And some of you will work overtime and overtime and overtime. And know what happens to a man comes along that you're prior to getting married. And he says, hey, you're beautiful. And you haven't heard that from your father, nor have you heard that from someone else. And your beauty is in this outward adornment. And you hear those words from this man. All he has to say is you're beautiful. You go and attach yourself to him. And often you attach to this guy that's not even a Christ follower. All because he said you're beautiful. Because you're longing to hear those words. Guys, listen to me. Yes, they can find their beauty from the inside. But they need to hear it from you. I've never heard a lady, a married woman or a woman that's dating say, you know what? I just wish she would stop telling me that I'm beautiful. Women struggle in this area. It happens every day in our world. This beautiful God-created young lady is born. She grows up in a home where dad gave her zero attention. Or worse yet, degrades her and about her looks. She wants so badly to feel beautiful and then along comes the neighbor boy on the side that doesn't care for her like he should care for and he takes advantage of her. And she hooks to him because he said, you're good looking. And she finds herself in this relationship that she never intended to get into and this guy is abusing her and taking her down a path and she settles. Happens every day in our world. Here's what you need to know. Turn to Psalms chapter 45. Psalm chapter 45. Here's what you need to know, ladies. Psalm chapter 45. It's worth reading this regularly. Psalm chapter 45 and verse 10. Says this. 
listen, O daughter, consider and give ear. In other words, take close attention to this at Grace Community Church today. Forget your people and your father's house. The king is what? What's the word? Enthralled. What is, what's the word again? What? Enthralled with by your what? Beauty. Honor him for he is your Lord. Here's the picture. No matter how you feel on the outside, no matter what everyone else is telling you right now, your God, the father, he thinks you're beautiful. In fact, he's enthralled with your beauty. Listen to me. That's the only security you need, ladies. You don't need some loser guy who comes along and says you're pretty and uh, pretty and, and uses and abuses you and takes you for sex. And you believe that's the only way I can think I'm God thinks you're beautiful. One version says he is wild about you. But when you wake up and you go and look in that mirror, you say, my savior is wild about me. You see, when you get your security in Christ, in Christ alone, and it begins there, you live with confidence. And you don't let some deadbeat guy come along and take advantage of you. The king is wild about you. The king is enthralled with your beauty. Not Hugh Hefner, not Brad Pitt, not some loser down the street that wants to take advantage of you. God, the creator of the universe, thinks you're beautiful. And he's a God of truth and a God of love. So your next hair color won't make you beautiful. Your next haircut won't make you more beautiful. You could go through the rainbow of colors and it won't make you more beautiful. But the fact that God himself looks at you and says, you are God created and in you there is beauty. I love you, girl. Listen to me, ladies. That's enough. Even if you go your entire life and, and, and you never get married, the mere fact that God himself thinks you're beautiful and he's madly love in love with you, that is incredible. See, if you don't believe that, then you'll never be beautiful enough on the outside for any man. See, men, we need to tell our wives more often. Not just tell them, hey, I love you, and say, oh, I know when I tell her that, then later tonight, bang, bonus. It means you hold her sometimes and you caress her and you just love her without going to the act of sex. It means you walk with her and hold her hand. It means you wear your wedding band in public. Ticks me off when I see married men. I'm not going to wear that. Listen to me. Put your wedding bands on. You don't like to hear that's the truth. Oh, it doesn't fit. Then go out and get it resized. Sell your TV and wear your wedding band. All you do is open up yourselves to another relationship when you don't wear your wedding band. Oh, I, and you, you see guys and you, they're like, oh, I thought they were married. And I'd go up to guys, put your wedding band on, loser. I said it for you, ladies. There you go. I mean that. Why give the devil a foothold? Why give some girl that's looking think, oh, I wonder if he's married. You know what? I am married and I'm proudly married to Ann Catherine Bordner Brown and I'm going to be with her the rest of my life until I die or she dies and so be it. Here it is. Men, that's what you need to do. Oh, I don't know. Let's take it off. Oh, I'm going to go to the beach and we take off my wedding band. I'm going on this out of town trip and when she doesn't know, you flip off your ring and you go out and you, and you go out to the restaurants without a band on so girls can flirt with. Listen to me, guys. That's sin. Yeah, and you heard it here. 
I'm serious about this. A guy like that just needs to have someone walk to him in love and say, listen, you are hurting your wife. Read on here in Psalm chapter 45. It says this in verse 12, the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. Men and wealth will seek your favor. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. It's embroidered garments. She is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her and are brought to you. They are led with joy and gladness. They enter the palace of the king. Your sons will take, pla- will take place of your father's. He said, hey, ladies, you're a child of the king. You belong in the palace. You don't belong to some guy that's living in the gutter that wants to live with you. Let me say this again. I mean this, ladies. If you got a man and he's constantly asking you and pushing you for sex, you do not want him. Just getting married is not going to make that better. Listen, you don't want a man that doesn't want to put Christ at the center of a relationship and have him at the center and pursue him. You don't want a man that all he wants is take advantage of you and have sin in this relationship. By the way, guys, if you're living with someone right now and you're still in the I'm hoping and maybe time, you either marry her or you man up and get out. Sure, that might be complicated, but so what? You either with her or you're not with her. Quit using her for sex. It's sin. I better move on. Let me say something about men. We are hardwired to see visually. Our DNA is visual. Visual is hardwired into the men's DNA. It has nothing to do with you, ladies. So, but hear me, ladies. I'm going to speak for thousands of men right now. I'm just going to put my neck out there and it's okay because I have people that are angry with me all the time because I tell them truth. So here's some more truth. I don't care. I'm tired of seeing relationships go south in marriages. I'm tired of seeing men sleep with women out of wedlock. You are a sinner. You need help. You need to repent. That marriage will never be blessed. That relationship will never be blessed if you continue to live in sin. Girls, you don't need a man that wants to pressure you for sex. You're a child of God, a daughter of God. You are precious. With that being said, it's time to talk candidly about our visual hardwiring. We normally don't bring this up, but I'm going to speak for men today. Because we know the oversensitivity that can take place. In fact, this is an area of great tension in relationships. I really believe that this area is where Satan has a foothold in many relationships. And he drives a wedge in. Let me say it this way. Ladies, if you are unhappy with your appearance, he surely is too. By the way, guys, that doesn't give you any fat slobs out there any permission to continue to be a fat slob. just doesn't. Ladies, if you are unhappy with your appearance, he surely is too. 
By the way, it has nothing to do with the craziness of this world that you need to be a size five and that you need to to have an eating disorder for him to love you. It has nothing to do with size. He doesn't need you to be that size. He just needs to know that you're making an effort to take care of yourself. A plan. He knows that as we age and as you age, that things change and that you're no longer 19, that you're no longer 20. But he wants to know as you grow in this relationship with him and with God in this marriage, that you continue to take care of yourselves. He wants to know that you want to look good physically. He won't tell you that, but I'm speaking for him now. And guys, you know I'm right. The effort you put into your appearance is high on his priority list. It doesn't make him like he's a loser. We're wired visually, ladies. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that. It's just we're visual. Let's accept that. Let's quit trying to deny that. In fact, 1 Samuel 16, 7, God even puts the spin on it. It says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We look at the outward appearance. Here's the best way I can describe what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with size, and I'm serious about that. But it has everything to do with effort and how you take care of yourself. We've got to get over this hypersensitive issue and say, the only thing he looks at is looks. Listen to me. It's a part of his life. It's not all of his life. But listen, address it. Quit denying it. It gives Satan a foothold. 70% of men said they would and are deeply bothered if a woman lets herself go. In fact, he can feel disrespected if she just lets herself go. Let me share you how strongly this impacts a man. When you take care of yourself, he feels loved, deeply loved. Not only does it make you feel good, when you take good physical care of yourself, it makes him feel like a million bucks. Guys, I'm right about this. You don't need to agree with it because you know you're going to get in trouble if you do. Every man wants to think. Now listen to me, ladies. I'm speaking truth to help. Because here's why. My wife knows this. She's beautiful on the inside. And she has a quiet, gentle spirit. And she works hard at her appearance. Doesn't mean I love her less or love her more, but she doesn't. Not only do it, she does it because she knows that it honors God and she takes care of herself. And she knows that it, it makes me honored by her doing that. See, it's just another level of insecurity. We don't talk about it. In fact, you get in the circles and you studies, and I've done some studies, and I've looked this past week, and I've looked at my entire ministry, and I know these studies. Men feel sorry for men that have wives that don't take care of themselves. And when another man knows that and speaks that to another man, he feels disrespected by that man. Ladies, he's not asking you to get dressed up all day. He enjoys seeing you in jammies. In fact, you don't have to put anything on and he's happy. Let me say it. When we take relationships seriously, especially this area, it's one less wedge for Satan to get a foothold. You see, a fulfilling sex life is one of the most powerful and marital glues a couple can have. I love when my wife takes time to go and pursue and get a, an outfit, and she works hard at it. I mean, she takes every coupon under the sun. She ends up getting it for hardly anything. But I love when she does it, and then she wears it, and she's, Jim, what do you think? It's like, 
I love that she wants to know what I think. She's not asking, she's not dressing for someone else. My wife is modest. She does it the way biblical principles show, but she does it. And then she'll say, Jim, what do you think? I love that. By the way, this Friday night, guys, we're having a dance here at the church. March 25th, Friday night, from 7 to 9. Get your butts in here, dress up, allow your wife to spend some money to get something that she can wear, and Tebow, March Madness. You think I'm kidding you. I, bring your wife out. Well, I don't know how to dance. They didn't teach us to dance the churches I went to. Neither did they me. But you know what? I'm going to make a fool of myself. And my wife's going to love it. This place ought to be loaded with men. Romancing their wives. Well, we don't dance in church. Listen, it's your wife for crying out loud. Let me give you some closing benefits of sex. I've said enough, and I, I know I've got enough people angered, but I don't care. Listen to some benefits of sex. Sex is a form of exercise. Sex three times a week burns tons of calories. In fact, if maintained, listen, don't, don't tune me out. If maintained throughout the year. Some of you guys, you're already waiting for tonight. I'm sorry, just the way we are. <laughs> It's just the way we're wired. I should put blue classes on to say this. If sex is maintained throughout the year, it's equivalent to jogging 75 miles. So you can come to the end of the year and say, how many miles you run this year? 75. <laughs> Guys, that's good running. To make it simpler, a vigorous bout of sex with your wife burns around 200 calories. It's the same as running five miles on a treadmill. Now, stop and think about this. Which one do you want? <laughs> regular sex is regular exercise and has similar benefits, including improved cholesterol and increased circulation. Apart from giving you a good workout, sex once or twice a week improves the immune system as well. You get sick less often. By having sex three or more times a week, men reduce their risk of heart failure or stroke by half. Somebody said, wow, you shouldn't have said that. I was hoping he'd be gone soon. <laughs> it's, uh, we're having fun, okay? Now, I'll get quoted for that somehow. Pastor Jim said they wouldn't. Why? Should they kill themselves, kill their husbands. <laughs> Don't have sex. I love these little tidbits on blogs. Regular sex triggers the release of a growth hormone that aids, listen, ladies and men, in weight loss and pain relief. Studies show that having sex three times a week, you will leave weighing less and you'll look 10 years long younger. Now, that's good news. Let me just close it this way. God linked a great regular sex life to good health. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. How are you doing? God, help us today. I pray, Lord, that we would take this seriously. And that we would engage each other in conversation after this message. God, I pray that men and women repent if they're not doing what you need them to do. I pray that women would look to their man who's living with them and is having sex with them and say, hey, it's either... You leave, you marry me, or we get pure. I pray, God, for 
sex to be something that is beautiful. And I pray that we would no longer allow Satan to put a foothold in our marriage relationships. God, use this message for your good. And I pray that Satan doesn't twist it. And that we truthfully enjoy each other the way you intended us to enjoy each other. In Jesus' name, amen.